Hi there, Peter Williams here. Hey, did you ever wonder how RCR is funded? Well, we're grassroots funded, which means everyday Kiwis contribute to keeping us on air. If you want us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives and a reality check you won't get anywhere else, then please visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. We spoke to Ian Wishart, investigative journalist, I think three times in 2023. The first chat we had was only a few days after we started, and that was on climate propaganda and was missing data. Um, since we have um, gone back to Ian on that, and also I think we uh, talked about James Shaw's CV as well before the end of 2023, Ian Wishart joins us again at the start of this 2024 year. Ian, nice to have you back on RCR. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me. Okay, so... Me looking at the news over the holiday period, I could tell there was a a weather narrative going on. Do you agree? Yeah, there certainly was. Uh, and it's the traditional one that always comes out in Niwa at summertime, which is that the climate is getting much hotter. It's all due to climate change and SUVs and, and, and cow emissions and that sort of thing. But when you dig into the data, it's not quite as simple as that. Let's go back to that first chat we had. That was right after... Um, or, or around Cyclone Gabriel, and um, you went and did what anyone could do if they, you know, had the idea, the time, motivation, knew where to go. You went and checked uh, a lot of historic um, media, uh, newspapers, etc., and gathered up data that was what missing from Niwa's database, like actually missing. Yeah, what, that was a look into the storm history of New Zealand. And what I specifically looked at after Gabriel and the Auckland anniversary floods was evidence for previous storms in New Zealand's pre-industrial past, in other words, before global warming became an issue. And we looked specifically at 1868 through to uh, 1890, really. And the evidence was incredible. It, it showed that uh, we were being hit by a Gabriel-sized storm roughly every year during that period. Whereas, of course, Niwa says now we've only been hit by four storms since 1960 of that size. So it tells you that our, our weather has actually calmed down a lot, even though we we perceive it as being more destructive when it does strike. So, and the, the key point of that survey was that a lot of that storm data was missing from Niwa's main database. They just didn't know about it. They didn't know how big the storms were. They didn't know how strong the winds were. They didn't know how much rain had fallen. And they didn't really have any understanding of, of what our climate was like before sort of 1900. So that was a major report, and, and RCR was one of the first to broadcast that one. Uh, and it went on to sort of, uh, you know, rattle some cages. There got a lot of praise from the climate scientists privately saying thank you for doing the work. This one is uh, a follow-up to that, and I'm looking at the, specifically the temperature records because we've all had the hot summer story and the record hot, hottest year story coming through uh, for 2022, 2023, that sort of thing. And the data shows that, in actual fact, Niwa's also missing our temperature history as well as our storm history. So you've got to ask yourself the question, what is this premier climate agency good for? Because it's not, not researching data historically, and yet it's proclaiming to have historical records being broken all the time. You can't, you can't match those two statements. It's well known, isn't it, um, in other areas of the world where I think um, climate records have actually been rebuilt in, in the way that you 
kind of um, did uh, last year looking at uh, at storm records, and that was not for a great long period of time. But, you know, it's possible to rebuild records, right, if you lack data beyond or, or, or um, uh, after a certain period of time. And being a serious research institute, you would be aware of that, yet no effort's been made to do that. Yeah, very little effort indeed. They, I mean, this will surprise you. One of the things that came out of this, this report that I've done, NIWA was started up in 1992 as a government research entity. So it's been around for more than 30 years. It only discovered in 2017 our coldest day. And it only discovered that by researching an old newspaper report, not through its own database. You would expect it to have that information on hand. Through the climate database, it doesn't have it. So for, for 25 years of its existence, it didn't know what New Zealand's coldest day was. And by definition, it still doesn't know what New Zealand's hottest day was. Yeah, um, and I want to go through some of, of what you found in, in your latest uh, piece, um, which uh, is really interesting. Too hot to handle Niwa's misleading temperature records. Um, does it blow you away, though? It'll be interesting. Maybe you can make a few comments about uh, that sort of back channel or or, or, or comms you've had with climate scientists after the first piece. But um, surely they, they cannot be confident in their own minds saying all this stuff when they know they have great, huge, massive holes in their data. And, and if they're aware of that, what what is your impression of why they confidently, stridently, you know, are in our faces telling us about all this uh, catastrophizing of weather? I think it's a marketing ploy. Last year, I was prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt. This year, there seems to be, there's only really two options. One is incompetence and one is deception because some of these temperature records just, they're lying. They know, they know what the real temperature records are in some cases and they're still making media statements about this being the hottest temperature ever recorded when they know for a fact it isn't. And you can't put that down to incompetence. So there's a narrative that's being built uh, to, as you say, catastrophize the, the climate. And that creates a, a, a growing public fear. It reinforces that every storm we see is an example of climate change, that every hot day is an example of climate change, that every early spring is an example of climate change, as opposed to seasonal change in the weather and the climate that happens naturally. So I don't think personally that NIWA really care about the historical data because it suits their purposes to present a report every year. The, I mean, the one that I looked at this year was the annual climate summary, which is their flagship report of New Zealand's climate change in, in the year 2023. And there are so many errors in that report. It just beggars belief. I mean, the, the NIWA Too Hot to Handle report that I've just done on Centrist runs to 16 typewritten pages. It's a big 7,500 story. Yeah, It's a big investigation. And the reality is, is that... Uh, there are far more mistakes ready to be found, I suspect, than just the ones I've uncovered. But it's just staggering. I mean, their, their example is in, in some of their reports, they publish temperatures of, they say, uh, 31 degrees is the hottest it's ever been in a particular place when the actual record is closer to 37 degrees. And it's, it's yeah. there, it's public information, but they just don't have it. But when you're telling people all the time, this is a new record that's been broken, it's like, like a psyop. It's a... <laughs> It's, it is. It's it's it's, it's mind blowing. It's kind of mind control. Um, the interesting thing we've talked to Philip Duncan from Weather Watch about this a couple of times too, that uh, we as taxpayers 
own or fund, I don't know quite how it works, two weather forecasting agencies, the Med Service and NIWA. They compete against each other. Surely the Med Service has the sort of data you've been uncovering because they've been tasked with gathering that officially for, well, decades and decades and decades, haven't they? They have. Basically, the New Zealand Med Service was born in the 1860s, Yeah. Uh, originally relying on old sea captains and, and uh, scientists in the, in the 1800s who immigrated to New Zealand and who set up weather stations around the country. And that network of, of weather data was eventually fed into a government-owned agency, the Met Service, uh, which compiled all those records. And a lot of them still, I saw an article from, from NIWA, for example, they still use the same design of rain gauges that have been around for 100 years. So it's not like there's anything majorly new in the science anymore. But the Met Service does have the data. But again, with when you're looking at climate records stretching back over 150, 180 years, there's, a, there's an element of the goat ate my homework because some of this old files have disappeared. Right. Some on the West Coast, for example, were destroyed by floodwaters. Uh, some have just been lost in the, in the sands of time. And so the issue that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago was rebuilding the database. To fill those gaps, what climate agencies around the world are doing is going back to old newspaper reports from the period in time. And they're saying, well, those newspapers used to carry weather reports every single day. Hmm. Rock readings, wind speed readings, temperature readings, that sort of thing, and rainfall. And we can rebuild weather data if we go back to the old newspapers and, and, and fill in the missing blanks. But it doesn't look like anybody in New Zealand has been bothering to do that to any great extent. And I come back to my point. It took 25 years for NIWA to accidentally find out our coldest day. It shouldn't have been an accident. It should have been something they worked at a long time ago. They should have had teams of people working on this. Other climate agencies do, and New Zealand doesn't. Well, just professional curiosity would drive that. I mean, they want to know, don't they? That's why you, well, it, it did. you that article, get that article, this area. That article I mentioned about New Zealand's coldest day was, was driven by a climate scientist's personal curiosity. She was reading through some old newspapers and stumbled across the fact that Ranfilly in the South Island had a, a low of minus 25.7 degrees Celsius in 1903. Right. And she called it in, in the interview that she gave for the NEWA publication, a, a detective work. Very exciting it was. Yeah. And my response to that was, it is quite exciting. And now you can understand why I do it. There's this treasure to be found. It's professionally rewarding, if particularly if you're a, like a, a climate scientist or, or a, a weather Scientists, you couldn't get yeah, enough well, of that stuff, you'd think. In Australia, for example, they have teams of people working on it. They've, they've outsourced and crowdsourced the going through of old newspaper records to citizen volunteers. So they give them a series of newspapers to research and say, can you retrieve the data from there and feed it into this you know, major database that we've created? And they're rebuilding old weather records and discovering things that they didn't know. Yeah. You would think that NEBA with a budget of $160 million a year would be doing something similar, but they just don't put the effort in. And then they wonder why we came them on these in these investigations. They must have surely they must have realized that you're out there and there's plenty more information and we need to go uh, carefully now because people like Ian Wishart are going to blow the whistle. But no. I think there's an element of uh bluff and bravado and hubris going on personally. I think that uh they think that because the mainstream media is behind them and not covering the the stuff that I'm 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 finding out, that they can they can bluff their way through it. But the reality is is that the public are, are catching on to what's happening. And the politicians I suspect are going to catch on to what's happening. 
certainly, as, as I mentioned to you, some climate scientists have, have caught on to what's happening and they're privately saying good on you for, for giving them a kick. Yeah. Um, because we need more research in this area. The problem is that the people who want to do the research can't get the funding for it. So because it's all going to sexy climate change panic studies that they're doing. Yeah, so that okay, that's in a way a perfect storm. Forgive the expression. Yeah. Um, there, um, the the role of the media because this is one thing again that many people have noticed over this uh, period. They might have been doing it before, but it seems to be very obvious this um, period of reporting um, in terms of temperature. We have um, colorization for temperature bands now, which are designed, I think, subtly. In a, a sort of like a, um, a subliminal way to alarm. So uh, high temperatures are red. It's like a fire engine, emergency, emergency. And they're starting to use those uh, uh, color descriptions that are starting to sort of roll off the tongue to, uh, again, hype the um, urgency of the, of the so-called crisis. Also, I've noticed, too, that because there have been a few contrasts of weather, you know, they're saying that it's, it's piping hot and then a front will come through, temperature will drop, the weather will change. They kind of then spin that as unprecedented contrasts in weather. You know, it's it, it, every everything has a sort of negative uh, edge to it. Do you think, you know, that the, these people in Niwa from the CEO on down get together in a room and say, okay, let's – Let's push this on them. The media will not question us because, I don't know, are they ideologically aligned or are they paid off? Because we know the government was paying for um, particular uh, media stories. We found that out last year. Uh, because um, this is, okay, we can say they're incompetent. We can say there's hubris involved. But it's actually quite a dangerous game that's being played here, it occurs to me. It is a dangerous game. And I pick up your point about subtlety. It's about as subtle as a baseball bat mugging. Uh, the temperature graphics and, and everything else that they're doing is just insane. But the the, the risk to the public and to, and to industry is actually quite severe. For, because, for example, if NEBA don't understand uh, the history of rainfall in an area and they've got a lot of rainfall records wrong in their latest report, if they don't understand how big the rainfall can be because they're refusing to look into the history, then the advice that they're giving city councils and planners about uh, drainage and, and what sort of storms to expect is wrong because they just fundamentally don't know. And this is a major weakness. This goes to the issue of insurance. You know, everyone is paying higher insurance premium costs now because of uh, the impression that climate change is going to get worse and more extreme and that these storms are an example of what's coming. These storms that we've having had are nothing compared to what we had 150 years ago in terms of the scale and the impact and devastation they can cause. So this country that we live in a beautiful country is capable of throwing a lot more at us than it currently is. And Niwa just doesn't understand. So the advice that they're giving to, to city authorities, in my view, is flawed because Niwa just don't know the data. And that flows through to the pocketbooks of every single one of us. And so as taxpayers, we do need to be demanding of our politicians some accountability from this, this climate agency and say, you know, when are you going to get your act together? When are you going to backfill the data that's missing from your records? Because the public have a right to know, people have a right to know in the, when the, in the regions that they're building in, what the history has actually been. Not some fairy story about, well, it's going to get worse in the future, but it's been all, all rosy till now. You know, the Hawke's Bay was a classic example. Everyone said, climate change, Gabriel's made it so much worse. Yet the storms of the 1930s and 1897 mm. far bigger than the one that Gabriel... There's even photos of the 30s one showing it, you know. Well, there's an example in the, in the newer report that I've just done. 
Niwa say that the anniversary day flooding in Auckland was the highest rainfall Auckland's ever experienced in 24 hours at 265 millimetres. In 1924, another massive storm hit Auckland, and that's basically 100, 100 years ago now, and it dumped 356 millimetres of rain wow. on an area from Silverdale across to Helensville and north to uh, Wellsford over a space of just five hours and resulting in silt buildup of, of two metres on, on some properties. So and, and that, that catchment area is big enough to take in the whole of Auckland urban area. So if that particular storm had dumped all its rain just 30 kilometres further south on the CBD, it would have been a devastating storm for Auckland to, to bear. As it was, it, got, it still got heavy rain, but the north of Auckland City bore the brunt of it. It's just random luck in that regard. There's, there's yeah. no difference. But the storm, the size of the storm was far bigger than the Auckland anniversary floods, and Niwa just doesn't know. Um, from the uh, journalist's point of view, where do you think uh, the curiosity's gone um, in journalism? Because it's so obvious. I mean, everyone I know sees what's been going on with that reporting. Um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a weather scientist to to understand that. There is no questioning of any of this. There's no you know, going off and looking into the fossil record like you've done to verify claims. Um, you'd think that would be, um, well, low-hanging fruit in a way for journalists who want to have a good story and um, make a name for themselves. What, what's happened there, do you think? Sadly, the media have become ideologically aligned to groupthink in the new world order, really if I can put it like that. The uh, media send their climate journalists to workshops run by Al Gore uh, over in Australia and in America and elsewhere so that they are trained on how to propagandise climate change. And many of staff's team, for example, have been on on, on those uh, training courses. So you have journalists who are no longer independent thinkers. They are acolytes, evangelists for the climate change scare story. And they they believe it, they're, they're just part of a, a pyramid scheme, really. So the ability to question has gone out the window. They just ignore facts uh, and continue broadcasting what Niwa has told them. And that's why I do these reports, because the public can see when they read read them. The, the Too Hot to Handle example is a perfect one. When they read through the report, you can see the quotes from Niwa about New Zealand's hottest temperatures and largest rainfalls. And then you can see the actual records from the past that blitz those records. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's about, I guess, the only way of, of getting through this now is for alternative media and the public to source the information directly like this and educate themselves and their kids that they're being lied to. And that's 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 really what it comes down to. Doesn't that become, I don't want to sound like I'm over the top, but at some point that becomes a national security threat. Well, it's a perfect example of how an ideology can capture a society. And Mark Stein, the commentator, once talked about America sleepwalking itself to national suicide. And and that's a, a good descriptor of a lot of what's happening in the world at the moment, whereby people have just 
swallowed the, the pill and and gone along in groupthink with the with the trajectory that's being painted out for them. And you know, when you get down when you get down to climate change issue, as I was saying to somebody this morning, if the evidence on climate change was so strong that it was caused by humans and we could do something about it, I'd be the first journalist to be shouting it from the rooftops and saying we've got to do something. Because I have a track record of changing my mind when the evidence for yeah. me is, is, is changed. I've done that on other investigations. I've looked at it and, and taken fresh eyes on it and said, no, I was wrong. Yeah, good point. On this, I've looked at the climate change. I've looked at the evidence. And what I see, for example, is, is something that has got basic laws of physics involved. New Zealand's temperatures are caused by marine heat for the most part. So the hotter the ocean, the hotter the summer is going to be, or the winter, depending on when the marine heat wave strikes. It's not so dependent on, on air temperature in itself because we get winds and weather systems in from the sea all the time. So the ocean is our primary climate driver. Yep. And the ocean is a, pl- is a primary driver of the current hottest year claims and so forth around the world because we've got marine heat waves popping up everywhere. Now, the simplistic uh, narrative that's being given to people on this is that the oceans are hot because of human-caused climate change, which is emissions of CO2 by your, CO- by your SUVs and your cars and your cattle. And breathing. <laughs> and breathing. And, and that's the, the link that is made simplistically to it. However, there's a law in physics called the Stefan Boltzmann law, and it's a, a well-known law governing how much heat can be absorbed by a physical object. And if climate has changed temperatures in the world, air temperatures in the world by one degree Celsius over the last hundred years, for example, the Stefan Boltzmann law says the maximum amount that water can increase in temperature over the same period in time from a CO2 increase of that level of temperature is one quarter of that amount. So the ocean temperatures would raise by 0.25%. We're seeing marine heat waves of five, six, seven degrees Celsius. That heat is not coming from CO2. It's not possible. For it, it's it a natural be. process. Is what you, what it's a natural process. The oceans cycle heat over a period of centuries and, and shorter periods as well. But one of the things that's interesting, it's emerging science on this, is that we have seen an increase in ho- ocean heat over the last few decades and it is correlated to a cleaner atmosphere because at the same time as we've been, yeah, at the same time as we've been uh, on about CO2, we've also been, you know, looking to clear away smoke and factories and coal-fired burning. And so, so more forth. heat gets in. Yeah. What's happening is the atmosphere is becoming cleaner. There's less dust and smoke in the atmosphere. More sun, sunlight is hitting the earth. More particularly, the sunlight is hitting the ocean. Yeah, and so direct sunlight on the ocean is is about many times stronger than CO two. It's it's a, it's a massive heat on on the ocean surface, and so if the if the sun is able to get more heat into the oceans, the oceans have got to put that heat somewhere. Eventually, it pops back up, and so what we're seeing is an increase in ocean heat commensurate with the cleaner atmosphere of the last hundred years as as coal factories have been phased out and, and smog has disappeared is a major problem in most of the Western cities. 
Uh, and so you can look at climate change and you say, well, actually, our temperature increases in our marine heat waves could well be caused by this. It's got to be caused by something other than CO2 because the degree of the marine heat wave heat is far higher than CO2 can actually do in the space of 100 years. Yeah. It's just not possible. Wow. Okay. Well, um, so temperatures nudging into the 30s have been um, reported over the summer period as, you know, really extreme. Can you give us any from, you know, the data, and there's a lot to digest, it's a big piece, and I suggest people go and read it at thecentrist.co.nz. But um, some of the, you know, the real stark examples, I think you might have mentioned a temperature or two already, that that really show how out of step this um, catastrophizing has been compared to the real world and the historical data. For example, uh, high temperatures around places of New Zealand, going back into the archive. I mean, how warm has it gotten places compared to what we've just recently had? To give you an example, the the commonly accepted hottest temperature on Earth is just over 50 degrees in the Australian desert and a couple of the other deserts around the world. Yeah. New Zealand has hit... 44.4 44.4 degrees Celsius, which is just six degrees shy of, of, of those sort of records in the desert. When was that? That was on two days, or one of those high temperatures last over two days in February 18, February 1949, February the 8th and 9th. Wow. And the, the temperatures were measured at Rangiora at a couple of big uh, sheep stations. Uh, they took the temperatures at 44.4 degrees Celsius on the 8th and 43.3 on the 9th. And a couple of other stations in the area also corroborated that with uh, temperature ranges just a degree or two lower than that. So it was clear that the 8th of February 1949 was a very hot day. On the on the record that I've got from the, the newspaper database, it was our single hottest day. And only yeah. only just a, just six or seven degrees shy of the hottest temperature ever recorded on the planet. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 wow. it's shy of the, 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 the maximum temperatures that we get in, in the desert. So yeah. it is possible for New Zealand in the right conditions, particularly with a hot wind blowing from Australia, to get very hot. Now, NIWA has said uh, in interviews that New Zealand has only hit 40 degrees Celsius three times in its history, in its recorded history. And what I did when I dug back through the newspaper archives was I found eight days where New Zealand has hit over 40 degrees Celsius. So, again, there's a classic example. Only of, slightly out. <laughs> yeah, nearly triple. <laughs> and and it, it just and, and most of those before 1950. Um, so it just goes to show that you know our climate agency has has got a lot of uh, work to catch up on, but they're not going to catch up on it unless there's public pressure or political pressure. Um, are they fit for purpose anymore, Ian? Because I'm starting to think, well, if it's 160 mil a year, there's plenty of um, other uh, areas that maybe are more worthy. If they're going to carry on like this. Um, really, is it worth going on with NEWA? Maybe it's time for an, uh, a, a a reset or even start again, you know? Yeah, well, I personally believe that there needs to be some sort of government inquiry into NEWA now because they've had a year to do the sort of work, having been put on notice by the, the Climate of Fear report in February last year. And they appear to have done very little. And they're still publishing reports, annual climate reports, which are, in my view, little more than fiction because they provide a totally misleading view of climate change and climate trends. They, they, 
They list records being broken all the time that simply have not been broken. It's just that they were cherry picking the dates they choose to, to include data from. So there does need to be an inquiry because at the moment, NIWA is acting as a propaganda arm of the climate change industrial complex as opposed to a climate research agency. Paid and for by us. Paid for by us. So we're, 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 we're paying to be self-flagellated, really. <laughs> um, would Have you had it? Has NIWA been in contact with you at all over any of this? No, they're, they're, one of their climate scientists blocked me on Twitter. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Which is immature. Um, but the the department, when I when I did the Climate Affair report on the storms last year, uh, there was some initial engagement and surprise at the data that I'd found, and they promised to do some work and get back to me. They, they never did. No. They instead issued a press release saying that I was conflating their historical database with their working database and that uh, the historical database is incomplete, and only their working database was the relevant one. Uh, my argument to that was that's slightly misleading because if you had the information in your historical database, it could be in your main one. It, it should be in your main one, but the problem is it's not. And we were able to prove that they'd missed a whole lot of stuff, and again, we've done it again this year. So I think, as I said, NIWA are simply bluffing and trying to ride this one out in the hope that if the mainstream media who've been, in many sense, paid to go on uh, climate change training camps. Um, if they can if they can tough it out with the help of climate change reporters and mainstream media, then they'll survive the storm, so to speak. Uh, the, the news I've got for NIWA is this hasn't even really started. I mean, there's plenty more information to dig through. And I've got all the time in the world, so I can keep on doing it. Well, it's always really interesting to, to talk to you about this. It's it's like a, well, I wouldn't say it's a soap opera, but, <laughs> um, it, you know, there are multiple episodes uh, coming out of this, and um, and you would expect uh, something to give at some point. Um, okay, well, thanks so much for coming on and, and, and chatting about this, Ian. And um, like I, I say, I suggest to our and we'll put a link up with the replay of this um, to our audience to go. If you haven't already, go to thecentrist.co.nz. Look out for Too Hot to Handle, NIWA's misleading temperature records. It's a very in-depth uh, piece, a lot of data, a lot of tables, and it, it kind of gives you uh, the full picture. And while this is all happening, you can bet, Ian, that the Met Service people know it's all a crock. Yeah, I think uh, there's probably some private private uh, satisfaction being taken, and NIWA taking a, a bit of a... a hammering, but uh, it's hard to say what the end result is going to be for either agency in that regard because it's it's still an ongoing investigation. But I, I, if, if people want to see the last year's reports, they can go to ianwishart.com, uh, and there's also a link on, on ianwishart.com to registering for an advanced copy of the new climate book that I'm working on. It's not ready for publication yet, but it will contain this sort of material and, and more so it's 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 an ongoing exercise. It's about keeping the pressure on, and uh, if people want to do that, uh, then support us in that in that way. Well, thanks, Ian, for coming on again, and I'm sure we'll talk again um, uh, sometime soon as this rolls on. I wonder if they'll try it again. You think <laughs> when winter comes up, it'll we'll see all this again, the same tactics, or do you think they? It might have been well, exposed enough. They they seem to keep on doing it all the time, but they and then they issue monthly summaries all the time, and they contain the same sort of information. So they just keep doing what they do. Uh, 
And the problem is it takes a good couple of weeks to deconstruct and fact check each of these reports. So it's a lot of time and effort and work involved uh, to try and research and, and, and figure this stuff out. So I can't physically do that every month for yep. the year. But what I do do is I pick out these premier flagship annual reports and give them a good soaking. But, uh, you know, next year, bring it on. Round yeah. Three. <laughs> All right, Ian Wishart, thanks so much. All the best. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now, they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.